0: Gavin Hamilton's Euro
1: road trip. This episode. Group E. Slovakia.
0: Today we're in Group E. We're travelling to Bratislava to talk to Lukas Rablik about Slovakia. Lucas is a reporter for the newspaper Denik N., as well as a contributor to magazines and newspapers across Europe, including The Guardian and The Blizzard. He followed all of Slovakia's qualifying games, including those playoff wins against Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and he will be reporting on Slovakia and the national team at the Euros, lockdown permitting. Now, since we spoke, there's been a surprise transfer for Slovakia's leading player, Marek Hamzik. It was always a bit of a worry for Slovakia that Hamzik their best player by a long way was playing in China at the age of 33 he was winding his career down after a great number of years at Napoli in Serie A but there were worries about his fitness levels in China playing in the Chinese league and there were also concerns about traveling back and forth during the lockdown so it's a good thing for Slovakia that he's moved back to Europe a bit of a surprise to say the least that he's joined Swedish club IFK Gothenburg but the move to Gothenburg and the Swedish League actually makes a lot of sense because Hamzik is the key man for Slovakia. They need him fit and ready for the Euros and he missed the March World Cup qualifiers with injuries but Playing in the Swedish League, which runs through the spring and the summer, he should be able to play quite a few games and and pick up his fitness. And Slovakia need Hamzik because they're one of those countries that they don't have generation after generation of players. So when you find a player like Hamzik and you bring through a player like Hamzik, you build your team around him. And that's what Slovakia have done. Unfortunately, they're now in this situation that Hamzik at 33 and that generation of players that that qualified for Euro 2016 are reaching the end of their careers and they've got to try and transition and bring in a new generation of players and, and it's not been easy for them. They changed coaches during the playoffs, that worked, but it's been a, a difficult time for Slovakia and Lucas. Has got a lot of interesting things to say about their challenges ahead of the Euros, where they've got a tough group against Spain and Sweden and, and Poland. So it's an interesting chat that I had with Lucas. So grab a glass of uh, tatra tea, the herbal liqueur. Stick your headphones in, as we find out all about Slovakia with Lucas and Bradlich. I'm here with Lucas Brabnick in from Slovakia, Slovakia have qualified for their second successive Euros. Uh, they were there in France in 2016. And they also surprised people at their first World Cup in 2010 in South Africa, where they famously beat Italy to reach the second round when they lost to Holland. But Lucas, there doesn't seem to be the same level of enthusiasm about this team as there was in, in 2010 in or 2016. Is that is that fair? Is that because of the, the qualifying campaign, they had to go through the playoffs and they didn't do that well in the group with Croatia and, and Wales and Hungary?
1: Basically, with Slovakia, uh, uh, it was a big success uh, to qualify for the World Cup in 2010 and there was big enthusiasm around that as, as the first major tournament for Slovakia. Uh, you are right saying that it's not probably that uh, high. the the high enthusiasm as it was 10 years ago, probably people um, a little bit got used to it. Now, like uh, playing at the big tournament, also with Euros five years ago, maybe they just don't feel it has such a value uh, for Slovakia because it's not uh, their debut at at the big tournament. Um, I remember talking to the uh, previous national team coach, Jan Kozak, uh, it was before Euro uh, in 2016, and he told me, uh, like, do you expect that we will qualify for every tournament? Uh, do you really expect that from us? Uh, he was kind of downplaying uh, the, the, the role of Slovakia as, as being able to qualify for every tournament that, that there is and I, and I, and I was a big beginner in the journalist back then and I told him that yeah it might be possible but he was right they didn't qualify for the world cup uh the in 2018 so it probably showed uh, the realistic level of Slovak football that they are not able to qualify for the every uh, big tournament there is but uh, at the same time people really want uh, Slovakia to play well uh, to um, to beat also uh, great teams because they uh, managed to do that, and now with uh, with uh, gen- the generation change uh, over the last two years, uh, it wasn't really um, common for Slovakia to play well. Uh, they really struggled on the pitch. The playing um, playing style wasn't perfect. Uh, they they sometimes got uh, some some really tense uh, victor- victories. Uh, so it was hard for them uh, to be on a permanent good in in a in a permanent good form, and that probably reflected uh, the mood of Slovak fans that they that that the fact that Slovak team was so good uh, in 2016 and before that at the World Cup, and now after the generation change uh, when the players were not as good as the previous generation, now they expect them to play as well as as they uh, predecessors did. So. Uh, so yeah, yeah, probably it it comes from a bit of unrealistic um, expectations.
0: Sure. Now, I mean, as you mentioned the the qualifiers, it wasn't a straightforward qualifying campaign. There were there were problems during the campaign. Slovakia had the the backup of the playoffs because of their performances in the Nations League, and they went into the playoffs with the Republic of against the Republic of Ireland, then and then Northern Ireland in the final, but. Coach Pavel Hapal was sacked after that semi-final win over the Republic of Ireland. That surprised a lot of people. Um, to get rid of your coach just as you're preparing for a, a final and a playoff uh, that you know, can get you into the, the Euro. So, what actually happened um, with with Hapal? Why was he Why was he got rid of on the eve of that playoff final?
1: Yeah, to be honest, uh, I work for one of the biggest newspapers in Slovakia, and we were surprised too. So. It it wasn't really the thing that uh, everyone abroad was surprised, but we expected it. We didn't expect that. Hapal was kind of criticized for the performances, for the results, for the generation change that didn't work out well. Uh, Part of it, I would say, wasn't his fault because um, the quality of the players can only take you so far. Uh, and yeah, in objective way, uh, the current generation isn't as good as the as the generation before that. Um, but on the other side, also he made some, um, I would say, tactical mistakes, or uh, probably he wasn't just brave enough to make some changes. And the playing style of, of the team over the last two years under under his reign really uh, become um, kind of. Uh, how to say it, average, or, or uh, it wasn't really uh, something, you, you couldn't really see any progress. Uh, so it, uh, it came as expected that, um, that there might be some coach change, but the timing was pretty crazy be, in, because, as you say, after a semi-final, which was successful, they went through a penalty shutout against Ireland, and suddenly they sacked the coach. So it, it didn't really uh, make sense for me. Uh, at the first time, but they, they ep- appointed uh, Štefan Tarković, who was a technical director at, at the Football Association, and he was a uh, former assistant of Jan Kozak, the guy who took uh, Slovakia for, for, to the previous Euros and was sacked uh, after that uh, unsuccessful uh, qualifying campaign for Russia for the World Cup. So uh, they they appointed a guy who really uh, knew the environment around the national team. He knew the players and so on. He worked with the team also during the time of Hapal. So he he was an insider, basically. Uh, And also Kozak wanted him to take over when uh, Kozak ended, but the association opted uh, back then for Hapal, who was uh, a successful coach with under 21 national team, Mm. uh, which he took uh, to the Euros. Uh, after long years without qualifying anywhere with any Slovakiav group. So yeah. uh, so, so uh, really that, that group of players w- was good uh, with Milan Skrinyar, center-back at Inter, uh, Stanislav Obotka, m- m- midfielder at Napoli now, and so on. So Hapa was expected to b- bring all these players uh, to the senior national team uh, when I put it really easily and or simply and when... But but he didn't really manage uh, uh, to finish that generation change in no. um, and also it didn't really reflect in the results. So th- that was the biggest mm-hmm. problem, yeah. in my opinion. And also the style of play uh, because uh, Slovakia really uh, became really, um, I would say, not really brave enough to go into attacks or something. Uh, they just relied on some coincidence in the play or or about uh, what uh, Marek Hamšík creates in the middle. So. Uh, probably yeah. also kind of tactical um, predictability, which was in the Slovak game uh, that also cost uh, Hapal his job. But um, it will yeah. be t- a tough ta- task uh, to for Tarkovic to to overcome these problems as well, um, because yeah. the, the problems the problems didn't really go away with with uh, the change of the head coach. I'm I'm worried.
0: You talk about Hapal bringing this new generation through. And you talk about this generation change, and that has happened with, with Skriniar, the defender, and, and Loboka, the midfielder. But part of the problem with generational change is that you, you have to get rid of the older players. And he's, did he force out people like Martin Skrtel and Vladimir Weiss and Thomas Hubokan? Did they feel pushed out? And was there a feeling that those guys could still be useful for the team and that they should be brought back in?
1: No, not really. No, they they basically ended. They are an international career because they they wanted to. Uh, so um, with Slovakia, it wasn't kind of like Germany did no, a couple of months ago with with Thomas Miller and these guys uh, that the coach decided to uh, to do generation change. But in Slovakia, it was kind of a thing that he had to do. Uh, because uh, Škartěl decided to end his national team career, just focus on the club. Also Hubočan and Adam Nemec, the striker, uh, who worked very well with Hansik up front, uh, they decided uh, to end in the national team. Uh, But uh, as it showed, we didn't really have any replacements for them, or at least ready replacements. Uh, so that proved pro- to be a problem as soon as as uh, the coach uh, changed, and also before that, uh, before that, that, that there there was a talk of, for example, Martin Škrtel returning. Uh, it was also uh, during Pavel Hapal's reign, so it didn't really have anything to do with uh, with some mm-hmm. clashes or whatever. Uh, so yeah, there was a talk of Martin Škrtel returning to uh, to be. Uh, um, to be, um, uh, you know, uh, to add some strength into the defense, but it didn't really happen. But it was uh, only due to Schreiter's injury, uh, and and he also injured uh, last week in Turkey, uh, we, which made him uh, last week he ended uh, contract in Turkey at Başakşehir. So uh, so yeah, uh, it remains uh, really. It's really a big doubt if if he will ever return to the national team, maybe for the Euros, but I'm not really sure about the injury. So, yeah, Mm. now this generation change was kind of forced uh, on the coach. It wasn't forced by the coach.
0: Sure. You mentioned Stefan Tarkovic, who was Kozak's former assistant um, and went on to play an important role in the federation. He's now in charge um, for the Euros, he, he stepped in a couple of times before as the caretaker coach now it's been confirmed that he will be in charge for the Euros is he seen as a safe pair of hands, someone who can handle the return of, of players, maybe not Skirtle if he's injured but Vice and and, and Huber can is that something that is now something that he's now got to manage this new generation but also try and keep a few of these the older hands back in the team
1: Mm-mm. yeah yeah um... Maybe Tarkovic was a safe, safe choice uh, also because of the fact that he, of his past, that that he really know the, uh, he really knows the environment of the national team and he knows the players. Uh, also, he knows the, this older generation really well as Kozak's uh, former assistant. So yeah, that might have played a role. Um, at the same time, I think that he's really kind of... Um, uh, he he really knows football. Like uh, he's intelligent. Uh, like um, he knows how, how to um, uh, how how to choose players or how to uh, how to find out, find a good tactical setup. Uh, but also he was in charge only for a, re- a really short period of time, and he was a head coach before that uh, in Slovak league as well with some decent results. So I'm pretty confident about him, and there were not many other co- co- coaches' options from at least from Slovakia uh, sure. at that uh, at time. So, uh, so I, I would say that, uh, and also, also yeah, Vladimir Weiss returned, for example, which might be beneficial for the national team uh, if he if he gets uh, his career uh, back uh, back on track because because Weiss, he, Weiss has
0: he, had a um. He'd fallen out with Hapal, hadn't he? And he, he was yeah, yeah. playing in the Middle East. He was almost the end of his career was sort of in sight. He was just earning good money in the Middle East, but maybe not at the, playing at the level he should be at.
1: Yeah. Uh, in Europe, he played for Olympiakos. Uh, also, uh, when Kozak when, uh, when was the head coach of the national team. And then he transferred to Qatar. Uh, also, also, Kozak wasn't really happy, too happy about that because uh, the physical level of, of Weiss went down. Uh, it was really visible in, in those important games uh, that, that he had to be substituted after 60 minutes or so. So the, the national team coaches were not really happy about that. And in the Middle East, uh, for maybe one or two seasons, he was really good. But then uh, the, he had some clashes with the team's management there so he didn't really play and uh, when he got the call-up for the national team he, he clashed with uh, HAPAL uh, during or before the game uh, against Czech Republic. Uh, he, uh, I, I heard from from the newspapers somewhere or, or the, the explanation was that uh, Weiss wasn't really happy about being sidelined, uh, he wasn't really he wasn't in the starting lineup for the game so he got angry and uh, somehow like that it all started but uh, last year he returned to Slovakia to play for Solan Bratislava uh, as he has some friends in the, in the club and in the team uh, and he started playing in, in the Slovak league and uh, uh, given uh, a lack of, of good wingers in the national team uh, there was speculation he might return even if he hasn't played really that much in the Slovak league he immediately returned to the national team. Mm. Also for the Northern Ireland game, but he didn't play. But he is another option. Uh, he's really probable to go to the Euros. I wouldn't be surprised by that. But it really depends maybe on uh, how good he will be playing this spring in the Slovak League.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about the options that are open to Tarkovic and and some of the tactics um, that Slovakia play. Um, but first, let's take a quick break. So I'm back talking uh, with Lucas about Slovakia. Lucas, Slovakia generally play a, a, a sort of variant of 4-5-1, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, basically a back four with a, a lone striker and, and two wingers with Hamzik in the central midfield pulling the strings. Is that a fair description that Hamzik is still, still the key man and it's his relationship with the, with the striker and the wingers that is, that is key for Slovakia?
1: Yeah, for sure. for sure. I always uh, kind of uh, make comparison to uh, to how, for example, Poland uh, Poland are dependent on Robert Lewandowski's goals. Uh, it's it's very similar to how Slovakia is dependent on Marek Hamsik's ideas because they are not really um, creative uh, without him. Uh, he's really, really, really important guy in the center of the midfield. He basically plays a kind of free role, kind of num- number 10 or a second striker, false nine or whatever you call it. So uh, he really has uh, a space to roam about, uh, but uh, it's, it's really hard to... To make a kind of another a solution or uh, tactically for Slovak coach because Hamšík is just uh, the level about the others. I think he's the world-class player in that team, so everybody relies on him. Also, uh, in uh, in that sense, it kind of becomes uh, on the other side the tactical weakness uh, yeah. that that for, because opponent when, when when some opponent can take out Hamšík out of the game, uh, it really is uh, hard to, for Slovakia to. Uh, to replace him. Uh, Thankfully, uh, not many opponents managed to do that because Hamšik has been really good with the national team over the last few years. Also, um, probably as as we talked about Vladimir Weiss, he was also another player who who could uh, create something new to have some idea on the pitch. So these are really uh, valuable players for, for Slovakia.
0: Hamzik is this very distinctive figure around the world with the spiky hair and the, the Mohican and everything. Everybody recognizes him. He's now 33. He'll be 34 in July. Uh, he's playing his club football in China. Is that a problem for Slovakia, that he's such a key man? But he's his career is... is uh, I mean, There aren't many years left for him, are there?
1: Yeah, yeah the, these Euros might be his last dance. um, um. Maybe, but uh, you know, when he transferred to China, I was a little worried about uh, how it, how, how it may, might impact uh, his, his input for the national team. Uh, but in the end, it didn't really make any, any change uh, for, for the national team, because he's just 100% professional. So he leads uh, everybody by example, although it had no influence on uh, how, how physically prepared he came from, from China. So he really is uh, in, in a good form as he was in Napoli. Probably he's not at, at his peak at, at, as he was in 2015 or 16 when there were some offers from the bigger clubs uh, when he was at Napoli. For example, I, I remember Bayern being interested in him and so on, but. Also national team coach Kozak really wanted him for, to, to go uh, and to try some super club in Europe, but he ended, uh, he stayed in, in Napoli. So yeah, um, uh, it might be for Solakia like a, a, a matter of concern for uh, in, in, in two years or in three years. Uh, but the, right now, I think that Slovakia can be only happy to have Hamšik in the side because it, it, he just makes so much difference um, on, on the pitch. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think he's the only world-class player uh, in, in the Slovak side right now. Only, only with Milan Skriniar, with his recent good form at Inter, uh, maybe going to this level. Uh, but, but Hamšik is established therefore. For basically, uh, since he was uh, 18 or 19 playing in the Serie A, so he really is at that biggest level for many years. So it yeah. will be very hard for any Slovak player to, uh, to be even compared to him. He's best player Slovakia has had maybe in the history. So yeah.
0: you, mean, you mentioned Skrino playing well at Inter, and Inter are obviously doing well this season in Serie A. Um, but he's yet to reproduce that club form for Slovakia, hasn't he? he's had problems with Slovakia, and there've been problems for the coaches in in finding a partner um, for Sreeni. Is, is that still a problem in central defence? Um, Skrtel may or may not make it, but there doesn't seem to be a, a strong central uh, defensive partnership.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's important to understand that Slovakia so like had a centre back partnership of uh, of Martin Skrtel and Jan Jurica for like uh, twelve or thirteen years. So probably you wouldn't find on international level in Europe, uh, central back partnership like that uh, for, for su- such a long time uh, for the last decade. So uh, it really was tough uh, to replace them. And also they retired from the national team in a space of 12 months or so, or even less. So uh, basically Slovakia went from the great central back partnership to, to uh, no central back partnership. And Milan Skriniar was, um, uh, really talented guy for for three or uh, four years. Kozak slowly pulled him into the starting lineup. Then he replaced Jurica, who retired first. Uh, but uh, probably would have been better if Skrtel stayed uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, also for Skrčeva to adapt and, and to grow into that defense leader role. Uh, because right now uh, he has uh, he has changed all the centre back partners during the campaign. There were probably three or, far, f- three or four guys uh, who were uh, tried uh, um, along with him in the defence. So it really wasn't ideal for him uh, to to find that understanding uh, with centre back partner. Um, so that that probably influenced uh, his form in the national team uh, but at the same time he wasn't really a kind of leader that he uh, that he was expected uh, to become so probably now if uh, if now with uh, i'm i'm quite optimistic about about him uh, he's a really good defender and also he has uh, better for example he has far better passing uh, than Martin Skrater, who was kind of old-school defender. But Skrater is more technical and so on. So I'm quite optimistic about him. Uh, I would say that if, if the coach manages to find some idle partner for him uh, in the upcoming months, I, I can, I can uh, see uh, the defense uh, being uh, stronger uh, at the tournament than uh, during the qualifiers. But it also depends, of course.
0: Yeah, and, and at fullback there are, I mean, you have Pekarik at, at right back from, her to Berlin, um, but at left back there have been again a few players tried in that position, and no solution yet. So is that another another concern at left back, and, and possibly the age of, of Pekerik at right back? He doesn't get forward, that much, and there doesn't seem to be many attacking options from the fullback positions.
1: Yeah, that, that might be probably one of the reasons why Slovakia didn't really try any five defender system, because they don't really have wing backs uh, in the team, uh, or when they have some wing backs, they are not really strong at, um, at, at they are not really strong in the defense. So it made problem with with a lot of space behind them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say that Peter Pekarig is uh, really a leader of the national team along with Hamshik and previously, Pe- uh, previously Martin Škrtjel or Juraj uh, Kucka and these guys. He's really been uh, in, in the national team for a long time. Uh, and um, Even if uh, uh, he, he's not uh, really young right now, uh, he still has a lot to offer, even, even in the attack. Uh, they really tried to make some uh, actions and attacks for the right wing, and Pekarik is always supporting the right wingers, so he's really good at that. Uh, but with the left back, it was more of concern because there were, uh, Tomáš Hubočan retired like two or three years ago, and then they tried some alternatives there, uh, probably two or three guys, but uh, there was always some problem that uh, one of the guys was uh, really bad at defending, another one injured, got injured. Uh, and so on. Uh, so Tomáš Hubochan had to return. There was no uh, other option because uh, all the options that, that came, came into consideration were far worse. So even if Hubochan plays uh, in Cyprus right now, he's not uh, at Marseille anymore. Mm. Uh, even if he plays in Cyprus, he was, uh, he was just better option than the others. And, and it's important to understand also in, in his case that uh, he is a, uh, he's a former centre-back. He was turned to the left-back then in the club at Marseille. So, um, so he's not really a kind of wing-back or, uh, or the guy who would support the attack. So he uh, remains on, on his own half for the most of the time. Uh, and but, but at the same time, it really, um it's not that that big a problem because Solak is mainly counter-attacking side. So uh, pro- probably the winger who is ahead of him can uh, can focus more on a, on the attacks. So uh, it's not really a problem. Slovakia has never ha- had this game with attacking wing backs because they don't have players for that uh, except Pekarik. So. So, yeah, probably Hubochan will be left back for the, uh, for the final tournament. I would expect uh, him as the, as the best solu- solution right now. Sure. But uh, it, it remains the problem for, for the next campaigns, anyway. So.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Kuka, have Kuka in midfield. He's the sort of box to box engine room, if you like, of the midfield. And you, you also mentioned Stanislav uh, Lobotka, one of the, the under 21 generation has come through, he sort of screens the defence, doesn't he? He plays in that defensive midfield role. So th- are those two guys the main people in midfield behind Marek Hamzik. They're the, the, the central midfield and, and they're the, the core of the team. Is that fair to say? And then on the wings, you have Albert Rusnak on the right and then Robert Mack on the left. There don't seem to be that many other options.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the core of the midfield is, of course, Lobotka, Kutska and Hamsik uh lobotka is kind of um, kind of number 6 but at the same time he's really good with the ball uh probably his form dipped a little as well at napoli he's not uh, as good as at south Vigo but um, but it's not really a concern uh, for him uh, he he wasn't really good for the national team over the last year, but that might change. There are also other options at his post, like uh, Rosowski from Belgian league, or uh, or Jan Gregus, who plays at in major league soccer. He's a really good player as well. Uh, and Urai Kutska is really yeah that that kind of engine in in the midfield. Uh, I, I don't know if he's uh, like exactly a uh, kind of box to box, but he he's he's former defensive midfielder, but he always liked to attack to shoot from the distance, so. Uh, so the coaches uh, encouraged him that he can go into more um, advanced role as well. It, it's kind of box-to-box, box, but he really uh, has that free role, like Hamšik. They interchange uh, their, their positions a lot. It's not really um, unusual to, to see Kutsuka at the right wing or whatever. So uh, so he, he is really kind of versatile guy in the midfield. And yeah, when it comes to wingers, um, yeah, that, that, that's that's the issue. That's the issue, of course, because um, because uh, Vladimir Weiss didn't play for the national team, so it remained as a kind of weakness for Slovakia. Uh, Albert Drusnag is is uh, mm, also the guy who really liked to play as number ten, so it's not really a typical typical winger, uh, but uh, he plays uh, plays at the wing uh, in Slovakia. Uh, and also Robert Mag has has a problem at the club level. Uh, he just uh, recently transferred to Ferenc Varož in Hungary. Uh, so it, it's important for him to play regularly. Uh, but he's a good player anyway. Uh, but but these wingers, all of them had kind of not really good form over the last year. So it was a concern for Slovakia. And yeah, you are right, there are not many options. There, there is also Lukáš Harasvin from uh, Italian Serie A from Sasuolo, who is kind of good, um, good technical winger, really fast. So it remains to be seen who, who plays there. But I, w- I would say uh, generally, uh, yeah, uh, the midfield is usually like the three in the middle, Hamsik, Kuczka, and Lobotka, and on the wings, uh, Mac and Rusnak usually, and with, with Harasin as, as a replacement. And, yeah. and we will see what happens with Weiss.
0: Yeah, and a goalkeeper position is interesting, isn't it? Because Rodak, the the Fulham goalkeeper, came in for um, the playoffs um, and and was the hero of the the shootout (laughs) against the Republic of Ireland, saving that that crucial penalty. Uh, But he'd only played a couple of games before that. Uh, Is he now uh, the first choice keeper?
1: Uh, No, he's not. Uh, Because there is uh, Martin Dubravka from Newcastle United who is uh, one of the big um, he, before he got injured last year, he was one of the best goalkeepers in Premier League so, so Marek Rodak is kind of unlucky with that uh, because he was really good at Fulham in, in the championship but then Fulham bought uh, or loaned, got on loan Areola from PSG so he got benched and the international team is the same thing because he cannot really get into the lineup through Martin Dubravka uh, who has been uh, that, that uh, goal, goalkeeper number one for the last uh, three years for Solak, And He has been really good in, in the goal. Like so, so the, uh, uh, the the goalkeeper position right now is kind of great for the coach to choose from uh, from a few. Uh, good goalkeepers. There is also a third choice, Dominic Greif uh, from uh, so Bratislava, who is a go- good goalkeeper. He might uh, go to the bigger league soon. So, yeah, there are a lot of alternatives, but I would say right now, Martin Dubravka, is he's healthy, uh, he might be the number one choice. Uh, at yeah. the same time, at, at Newcastle, he, meet, he might have uh, some trouble to get back into the lineup for darvo but uh, but I think that if, if he plays, there should be no question
0: okay. uh, about Dubravka. Mm-hmm. And what about the, the main centre forward? Because there's this youngster at final, Robert Bozenik. Is he, the, he had a good run in the autumn of 2019 and he scored quite a few goals in the qualifying games, the final qualifying games. He seems to be the first choice. But there's also been recently... Um, uh, the option of playing without a striker at all in the in the Republic of Ireland game in the, in the playoff semi final, uh, Duda and Harazin played as these sort of false nines, didn't they? That was a, an alternative option. Is that was that just because there are no proper st- centre forwards for, for Slovakia?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the position centre forward is a problem since World Cup in 2010 when Robert Vitek scored four goals in, at the tournament, but. Then he had injuries and so on. So he, he didn't really play in the national team. And there was a problem because a lot of strikers were just average. They didn't really work well with Hamsik. Uh, it was a big problem. But then Kozak found Adam Nemec uh, from the Belgian league. Now he plays in Cyprus. Uh, he mm-hmm. played really well with Hamsik. They understood each other. Uh, but he retired in, at the same time as, as uh, Hubočan and Škrtel did. Uh, so, there was a, the, it, it was necessary to find another one. And, uh, like, all of a sudden, a young striker came in Zilina in Slovak League, and that was Robert Bozenik. He was 18 or 19 back then when he started playing in the league. And, uh, former coach Kozak um, was really, um, he didn't really trust him in the beginning and he didn't want to call him up. Uh, even on the final press conference of Kozak as the national team coach after his resignation uh, he mocked uh, this striker he he misspelled his name Um, and he told that there is uh, there are so many uh, so many uh, pressures on him to to get him into the senior team and he he said that he's not really prepared for that but the next coach Hapal uh, gave him the chance uh, in the starting lineup a couple of times, and Bojanic proved to be uh, the best uh, option there is. He has scored goals like uh, against Hungary in the derby and so on. So, uh, so yeah, he has been really good. Uh, also, then Feyenoord bought him, and at Feyenoord, he works with Robin van Persie uh, as the coach, as strikers' coach. So, uh, there has been a big progress, uh, I-, I think, in his game. Uh, I, inter- I interviewed uh, Boženik, actually, uh, when he was at Žilina. Uh, he really uh, looked like a kind of uh, ambitious guy, ambitious young boy, really talented. So I'm really optimistic about him as well. Uh, I think that he will grow into, into a really good striker. Probably he will not be Lewandowski, but but, but for Slovakia, but for Slovakia, he, he right now he, he is really good for Slovakia. Uh, even if he's so young. Um, but yeah, for the future, if, if he works well, I think that he will be the number one option in the in, as center forward. But, see, but yeah, as you said, uh, when, uh, when Božení cannot play or whatever, if they have some tactical uh, ambition to, uh, to may- maybe sit back uh, or, or whatever, they, they, uh, they can opt for 4-6-0 uh, formation. Um, it wasn't really used in the, pa- in the past. It was used only once, as far as I remember, and that was uh, in the Euro 2016 qualifying against Spain at home. Uh, and they, they played without uh, the striker back then. And it was really uh, funny because nobody really expected Slovakia to get some points, but they won against Spain. Uh, and so yeah and I asked Kozak uh, uh, then a few months later about what, what was the intention and yeah the intention was to pack the midfield because there were so many good midfielder players like David Silva and uh, Iniesta and these guys so they, they had to really uh, push them out from the game so that, that was the intention but now uh, over the last one or two years it became a necessity Kozak kind of uh, kind of refused this formation without the striker to play on a regular basis because uh, he lacked uh, central forward in his system. He didn't really like that. Uh, But now with the lack of central forwards generally in Slovakia that they didn't have a player who who could be good in that position, uh, the coach started uh, uh, experimenting with this. So they, they played formations without the striker. And also the reason behind that was that Andrei Duda has been playing really well in Bundesliga, and he is kind of player like Hamšík is, and they are really similar. I think that Duda is really the the next player after, after Hamšík, so he can take his free role. Also, uh, uh, basically, Duda plays out of his position because on his position Hamšík plays, so you cannot have really two number tens there. Yeah. So. So yeah that, that that was the reasoning behind that that Duda will play as as false nine and that was uh, also the plan or strategy behind the tactical setup against Ireland in the playoff semi-final when they played 4-6-0 uh, I I I explained it on on Twitter and th- there were some British fans uh, laughing how how could Ireland uh, cope with with uh, with false nine uh, but, but uh, yeah, they kind of did that, but well, at, at, in that game, Duda also got into a lot of uh, uh, goal-scoring opportunities, so the, the so the plan was basically do, to play the midfielder as a false nine, but uh, in some uh, periods of time, he acted uh, as a central forward, so
0: yeah
1: basically, it's kind of 4-6-0, but uh, w- when they needed it, they switched it to 4-5-1 back, so... Yeah, but but, uh, I think the option with Robert Boženik up front is a little bit better. It it just adds some uh, more uh, more, uh, directness into that game. It's really visible that he's natural centre-forward and I would be really happy for him to progress into that role uh, of important uh, and key player for the national team. I think he has potential for that.
0: Sure. I want to talk a little bit about relations between Slovakia and the Czech Republic. But first, let's just take a quick break. Right, I'm back now talking with Lucas. Um, We mentioned uh, Vladimir Weiss Jr., the the winger, who is, of course, the son of Vladimir Weiss Sr., who was the coach of Slovakia's team that reached the 2010 World Cup and and did so well in in the World Cup in in South Africa. Is that team still seen as the most successful team, the most successful generation in, in Slovakia's history? And is it the one that every team, every subsequent team will be compared with?
1: Um, uh, to start with, uh, Vladimir Weiss Sr. Uh, is also the son uh, son of Vladimir Weiss Sr., the yeah. senior.
0: He's uh, <laughs> three, three who, generations,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. because uh, the, 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 the oldest the Weiss uh, played a centre-back for uh, the Czechoslovak national team back in the uh, 70s. Uh, he also scored against Portugal, against Eusebio's Port- Portugal. So there are three generations of, of Weiss uh, playing for the uh, for Slovak national team
0: um and and uh, how is that how is that team viewed? back
1: to the question uh
0: sorry how is that team viewed then is that still seen as the top uh the team that everyone Uh, yeah yeah Yeah.
1: um like i i think yeah uh, it was probably i don't know really to uh, it it was same group of players that that, may, that made it also to euros in 2016 there were not many changes it was the same generation of the players still so um i would say yeah that that was the strongest one uh from from those we had since independence uh, in in the 90s uh, for sure uh, because before that they only came uh, uh close to the major tournament uh uh, before World Cup in thousand and six, when they um, when they w- went out after playoffs against Spain. So, but but that generation of the players wasn't really as skillful as as that generation which made it to South Africa and then to France. So, uh, I would say, yeah, this was the strongest one uh, when 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 we compare it with the teams um, with the teams after independence, after communism. Uh, so. Mm. Um, mm. yeah, probably the difference was also Marek Hamsik and Martin Škrtel. I would say that th- those were two big differences because those were players in big leagues uh, leaders in, the, in those in their teams uh, so they made a big difference when, when you compared the teams from another eras because for example, for that t- tournament in Germany in t- 2006, the best player of Slovakia was Marek Mintal, who was uh, who was the best goal scorer in Bundesliga. Uh, but at the same time, I would say that the generation of Hamchik and Skrtel at, at their peaks uh, were, were, was better uh, than, than that, that one before. And in the 90s, it was just just the wildness. We had some good players. For example, people would remember uh, Luboš Moravčík from Celtic Glasgow, or Petr Dubowski who played for uh, Real Madrid, but but then got uh, he 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 uh, he died. Uh, died tra- tragically uh, during the holidays in Thailand. So uh, so yeah, th- those were star players, but uh, the group of other p- players was kind of really average uh, mm. w- when you compare it to other European teams, also when you compare it to Czech Republic. Uh, but mm. w- when I go further to the history, I would say that the, str- the, the strongest uh, generation has to be uh, the one that won the Euros uh, around, around and Antonin Panenka and these guys. Uh, and uh people people think that it's more uh proof of, of quality of Czech football but back in 2000 uh, back in uh, 1976 uh the, the the majority of the team was were, were Slovakians. so so Seems, yeah so yeah.
0: it's is that so, a big issue because we think of the two countries as being separate um but it's not like a, there's no rib- there's no hatred in the way that Croatia and Serbia have this, you know, horrible rivalry. Is, is it a, uh, uh, you know, a, a sort of uh, a much more pleasant um, situation, much more pleasant relationship between the two countries? It seems uh, that people do get on, there's a rivalry, but it's not a really fierce rivalry.
1: Yeah, it's probably uh, now. Now we have to go into we would have to go to kind of more uh, broad uh, historical and social sociolo- sociological uh, analysis. But I wouldn't go into that. But I would say yeah, Slovaks and Czech Republic are kind of friendly friendly rivals. You know, uh, Slovaks uh, were always uh, the smaller nation in in the Czechoslovakia uh, Republic. So Czechoslovakia Republic. So. Um, I would say that Slovakians always tried to uh, show that they can do uh, things as good as as Czechs can. Uh, So yeah, there is not much hatred uh, in in those games. Uh, In those derby games, it's more a kind of um, trying to be as good as the opponent is. Uh, you know the competitive side is far bigger than some political side. I would say mm. it's really friendly li- rivalry. Uh, I, I would say that, um, uh, in for example, in ice hockey, uh, Slovakian players were uh, criticized for being for having a Czech complex that they uh, often uh, were not able to beat Czechs at World Championships games and so on. Uh, but in football. Oh, they always, Czechs, were a bit better. Uh, since, since the communism, they had great generation of the players like Nedved, Rosicki, Čech, and these guys. But uh, in, in the recent few years, uh, I would say that uh, the both national team sides are very comparable. Probably the last decade was more successful for Slovakia. I would say that Slovakians had better players. Uh, again, here is the Marek Hansik factor. Because he Czechs didn't have player like that in in, in the in the last ten years, uh, but uh, I I would say that the, those sides are really comparable. Slovakia has far bigger la- rivalry, uh, also when, when where you could find uh, some hatred or political tension and so on with Hungary. Uh, that's that that's bigger ra- rival in in that uh, comparison. But if if if, so if Czech Republic is really a kind of uh, big brother against small brother or, or uh, yeah. to say yeah.
0: and a, and a few of the current squad play their club football in the Czech Republic um, and others have played in the Czech Republic before moving on to to um, to western europe and some players have moved directly to italy and and holland does it make is it just economic reality now that slovakian players have to to move abroad do they use the czech republic as a stepping stone uh, to get to Western Europe or is it now the case that they, they can see a direct move to Holland or Italy or, or to, to England?
1: It really depends, case to case, I would say. Uh, um, it, it, it's really uh, kind of, um, it, it, it changes. I, every couple of years it changes a little. I would say, for example, a couple of years ago it was really uh, common uh, for the best players in Slovak League to, to go into Czech clubs. Uh, but right now, I, the, then the, there was a trend of uh, of young players going to uh, academies abroad, like uh, in in Premier League. Uh, th- that was the case with Vladimir Weiss, he played for Manchester City, Robert Mack Manchester City, uh, Miroslav Stoch at Chelsea, uh, then uh, there was... Um, uh, I forgot someone, but but there were a lot of uh, these guys who are now who were then uh, national team key players at English, English academies. Uh, right now, I would say that uh, the credit of Slovak players went up a little with uh, international achievements. It was really a natural way uh, to to get into straight uh, into the Italy. Uh, for example, Skriniar went from Slovak league to Italy. That was also the case with Denis Vavro, uh, other centre back uh, who plays at the now. Uh, then uh, probably Hamsik went uh, at a really young age. He was kind of academic guy. Uh, he went to Brescia in Italy uh, when he was 16 or, or so. So yeah, that, that's one of the ways. But I would say that the credit of the Slovak League went a little bit uh, higher than, than it used to be 10 or 15 years ago. That uh, Czech League isn't really that, that kind of transfer station that it uh, was... Um, no, a couple of years before that, I would say, uh, when uh, also also back then, probably Sparta Prague uh, put more money into their team, and these these teams uh, uh, tried to find some uh, good players in those eastern leagues, like Slovakia and so on. But right now, I would say that uh, it's it's not really necessary for Slovak player to go into Czech Republic to to make that another move. Uh, it's uh, probably i would i, I don't have statistics uh, to to back that but i would say that more players uh, w- would go, would transfer to poland uh, because mm. the extra klas uh, really uh, had kind of uh, marketing uh, improvement over, over the 10 or 15 years and they they uh, they, they can offer financially and sportingly better conditions than Slovak clubs and maybe even Czech clubs. Also in Slovak league, uh, when you compare Slovak league and Czech league, uh, I would say, and also a lot of coaches say it here, like uh, Adrian Gulas uh, said it in one interview, he's a coach of Plzeň in Czech Republic now, but he coached uh, Žilina in Slovakia and also under 21 national team of Slovakia before that. He also said that, now, Slovak League uh, or the clubs in the Slovak League uh, are not that afraid to offer a chance to young players as Czech clubs are. But also, yeah, you, you when you look at the league, you see more young players in Slovakia than in Czech Republic. But at the same time, it's a consequence of Slovak clubs not having so much money as Czech, Czech clubs do. So they can cannot really afford to pay those experienced players, so they have to uh, have to play the younger ones. So yes, but uh, it, it's the same story in all Eastern Europe, I guess, uh, for the better players to move abroad as soon as they can. And I, I would say that's the case with Slovakia. There are not many clubs which can hold on to their good players, except for Solan Bratislava, who had who have uh, a rich owner. But without him, they wouldn't uh, be able to do that because no solo club is able to generate, uh, you know, a profit without selling the players. And that's the big, that's the business model also behind Zilina uh, with Skriniar who, who went away. Or Laszlo Beneš who was sold to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, and also it's the case with A.S. Uh, Trencin, but they more focus on uh, foreigners. They are... They, uh, Bring players from Africa and South America to Slovakia, and they then sell them to Holland, for example. So, uh, yeah, it's mm. it's a transfer. Trans, the whole Slovak league uh, is being used as um, kind of transfer station to to Western Europe, I would say. Yeah. Also yeah. for Slovak players and foreigners.
0: Just just finally looking ahead to the the finals this summer, Slovakia have a difficult draw, don't they? Against Poland, and Sweden, um, hopefully in Dublin. And then Spain in Bilbao, unless of course things change. But what's your sense of how Slovakia will do in the tournament? What are the the, the genuine expectations?
1: I will, as, as as I said at the start of the podcast, uh, it kind of there not really there is not really a great mood around the team, but it also has. Uh, kind of uh, it's also impact of maybe coronavirus and this kind of stuff that people don't really think about football right now so uh, the the expectations are not high uh, I would say Uh, I was quite surprised after the draw or after Slovak fans found out who were our opponents that they considered this group to be easy I don't really think that because because Spain is uh, uh, probably one of the favorites Uh, I would say, and Sweden and Poland are better organized than the Slovak team is right now, in my opinion. And also Poland has Lewandowski. So I really think that's a really tough group for us. Uh, I'm confident that uh, they can advance to the next round uh, with a little bit of luck. Uh, But probably they are kind of of, uh, outsiders in that group, I would say. Uh, when, when I look it, uh, at the paper, I would say that uh, we are we we have the smallest quality uh, from from those four teams. But at the same time, I think that especially the games against Sweden and Poland will be really tense, really balanced. So there are it, it will be about really small details and uh, but. Uh, also Slovakia kind of always thrived uh, in the circumstances when nobody really expected anything when uh, when uh, people were pessimistic or when people thought that they would lose all the games uh, they had kind of siege mentality that in in those games they really thrived it was similar at, at the World Cup in 2010 with uh, with, uh, because uh, they, they really were bad in the first two games against Paraguay and New Zealand. And suddenly they, they beat Italy, who were world champions, and eliminated them from the tournament. So Slovakia is is a team like that. Uh, they, when, when they are expected to win, they always lose. And uh, when, when nobody expects anything, they win against the big, biggest team uh, there is. So... <laughs> uh yeah i'm quite optimistic i think i think that they they will ha- they will have a big fight for for the advance but i'm not really a good uh, like in betting football betting so i i don't really know how to make the prediction but but i would be optimistic about them getting yeah. through even if even if the circumstances are not 100% uh, in their favor uh they, they near they they never were 100% for them so I think yeah. that oh, they have a chance to go through.
0: Yeah, Lucas, I, I, I sincerely hope Slovakia do play well this summer. I think they're a, a valuable addition to to the tournament. Thank you so much for your time in, in telling us about Slovakia. And I hope to see you and, and speak to you soon. Thanks ever so much. Uh,
1: thanks for inviting me and hope you enjoyed the podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, And you want to find out more, there's a new podcast with a different journalist from every single country competing in this summer's European Championship. You can find them all wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this show so you know whenever I release a new episode. And you can find out more great sports podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just head to sport-social.co.uk.
1: Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. Follow and subscribe now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is part of the Sport Social Podcast Network. Sports
0: Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.